Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Influent Live. And we've got uh, one of my favorite guys here, uh, the (laughs) Starbucks Prophet. Everybody knows him as the Starbucks Prophet, although he doesn't go by the Starbucks Prophet. But this is a gentleman who literally, while being uh, working at Starbucks, prophesied to over a thousand people. And honestly, one of the most, just richest, Mm. most profound uh, guys on the planet and a good friend. So Michael, welcome buddy. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. So, um, you know, it's interesting because last time we talked about basically bringing God's presence into the workplace. We had Abraham Jen on on the show and uh, you know, you you got started. Just just tell us a little bit about how you got started, and and in in the being being a prophet, a, a prophesying, you know, uh, in the workplace, and just tell us how that how that got started. Yeah, you know, I had a I had a really pretty standard view of what it meant to be a Christian. You know, that you you either were in full-time ministry or you were in the marketplace and that there was a dividing line. And I didn't have any men in my life that showed me that you could have a furious love for God and that you could be successful in the marketplace. And regardless, whatever success looks like to you, you know, that's not a dollar amount. That's a quality of life thing. And I didn't know the difference. And so I felt like I got stuck working at Starbucks for, you know, 40 hours a week and which oh no 40 hours a week and i wanted to be in full-time ministry and so i had this one day where i went if i'm gonna be here i might as well do the thing i enjoy the most and that's ministry and my one one of the vehicles i used in ministry was prophecy and so i began decided to mop my way over to these i was mopping the floors in starbucks and i mopped my way over to these two ladies one day and i said Hey, I asked the Lord what he thought about you. If you're interested, I'd like to tell you. And it was just something that kind of fell out of my mouth. And they looked at me and the lady uh, said, sure. And so I prophesied over them. And when I got done, the lady looks at me and goes, so prophet, where'd you come from? And it just struck me, you know, just, it really hit me. And I I said, I'm no prophet. I just work here. And I went back to working and I, I, I mopped away and it was a big cafe, and as I'm mopping, I just get this picture in my mind of this, what if people came to Starbucks to get the word of the Lord? I get this picture in my mind, I'm thinking of this college guy who's struggling with his faith. He doesn't go to the youth pastor, the college pastor, his whatever. What if he went to Starbucks to hear from the Lord? It just, it totally threw me off. I, this last thing I expected. And so I began to prophesy over the guy. I'm sharing stuff with him about his father, um, and then, and then I get these time frames. I said, you know, you've been struggling with your faith the last five or six months. And right when I say that, I hear the Lord as clear as I've ever heard God in my entire life. He says, the Lord says, Gideon, which is a, a story very close to my heart. And I look at him and I say, the Lord says you're here like Gideon, and he's not done with you yet. The guy falls apart weeping, just puddle of tears weeping. And finally collects himself, and he said, he said, I've been struggling with my faith the last five or six months. And I, I told my, he said, I was up all night last night. 
and I told my friend today, I said, I'm done, man. I don't believe in God. It's not possible after all the stuff I went through with my father. His friend says, don't give up. Go to Starbucks. There's a guy there that I believe hears from the Lord. And if God is real, he will tell him to come talk to you. And so he said, five minutes before you walked up, I came in, I sat down, here's the key. And he said, I'm here like Gideon tonight, and this is my fleece. And he told that to the Lord. And five minutes later, I walked up and I said, the Lord says you're here like Gideon, and he's not done with you yet. And that guy's life, one word from the Lord, tonight I experienced this, one word from the Lord can change the trajectory of someone's life. And that guy's life completely turned around. I saw him the rest of the summer. He had a bounce in his step, a smile on his face. He had his Bible. He had a new book about Jesus. And so anyway, that was, and that was really the launching point. And then over the course of my, my last 18 months at Starbucks, you know, I, I ended up doing this for conservative estimates, you know, somewhere around a thousand people. So um, you alluded to the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you're changing the way you're doing things now. Uh, really, you know, less talking, less kind of prophesying to people but, uh, you know, talk about kind of what, how the transition, how, how you're doing things now. Yeah, so the Lord took me on a really interesting journey. So I went from that to I worked at AT&T for a while, which was very corporate, protective structure. Um, it was really you know, not I, okay for you to speak to somebody no. like, like that. Yeah. No, and, and, the, the, and, and the environment in and of itself did not lend itself to that type of ministry. So then, uh, moving forward, I left AT&T, ended up in, and I did, I prophesied over a couple people there. I kind of, you know, forced my way in. It was more, it was but, more stealth prophecy, really. Yeah, and that was really a season that I learned that, put it this way, there's a lot of people out there that the Lord has them in a season, or had, the Lord told them, hey, I want you in this place for this season, for this time period, okay? And then he moves them. And they can't figure out, and it, but they don't move. They try to stay in what the Lord has them doing, what the Lord told them to do. And the Lord's like, hey, your time's up. I'm trying to move you. I'm, I'm trying to get you in another place. And they can't figure out why nothing's working. It's because that season served its purpose in life. That season was about developing you for the next season. And so what happened is the Lord used that season in my life. He moved me into the next season, and I was still trying to function. I was wearing, I'll put it this way. It's like I was wearing a winter coat in the middle of July. Right. You That's were, what it you're, was. You were trying to do what you did at Starbucks, which is, you know, bringing, you know, prophesying to people overtly, directly, kind of words of knowledge and all that, and it didn't work in this environment. So you, you yeah. changed it up, and it was more stealth prophecy. Mm-hmm. So you would— But it, you, it, and it, 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 took, it, it took the Lord— butting heads, me butting heads with the Lord to realize that's what was happening and to to realize that he was trying to show me something. So then through a series of events, I end up going from AT&T to working in the oil field as a roughneck. So you talk about the Lord gave me a really good opportunity to just make an easy transition. And when that didn't work out, he goes, all right, I'm going to help you figure this whole thing out. I'm going to stick you in the oil field uh, working as a roughneck where But before before, before you go to the roughneck, Tell the story at Nordstrom because that is, to me, that is so cool. And, you know, I, well, I, think, I mean, think so much. People think this, you have to be like this prophet, right, to, to prophesy or to, and, yeah. and let's let's simplify this, right? Because some people are freaked out by by the word prophet or yeah. prophesy. It really, sure. It's really, really hearing the heart of the Lord for a person. Yeah. And, 
And right, to, to anybody who's, who's out there, if you spend time with somebody, you're talking to them, and you're praying for them, you generally will get a sense of God's heart, mm, right? Absolutely. For a person, mm. right? And so it's simply being able to just encourage their heart by speaking from yep. the Lord's heart, right? Yeah. It's really as simple yep. as that, right? Yeah, so the, the simple the simple sidestep to, to Nordstrom, though, is that the Lord took me into the oil field to teach me that experiencing His presence in work had nothing to do with what I did, but had everything to do with how He wanted to encounter me, period. So then I end up at Nordstrom. I go from being a roughneck to selling designer clothes. And I'm at Nordstrom, and I'd had this you know year in the oil field, just me and Jesus, basically, and, and, me and, and Jesus. It was, and it was like this, it was like a monastery for you, the oil field. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> because you were alone the whole time, you were pretty much just, yeah. it was you and Jesus and a bunch of really crude human beings here and there, but. Oh man, <laughs> Un- yeah. But pretty much Unbelievable. it was, it was, it was <laughs> you, you and Jesus. And so yeah. you just got really vertical and I mean, you got racked, right? Yeah, for I Jesus. did. I would be, I would be power washing this, these things, these mud tanks, I would be pressure washing these mud tanks out and literally would be listening to worship and would just be weeping out there. And the great part was that I was using a pressure washer. So people just thought I was getting wet. Nobody knew I was actually crying. Um, <laughs> I'm out there just bawling, you know, just encountering the Lord. And so then I ended up at Nordstrom. I'm selling designer clothes. Obviously it's kind of an AT&T setting, but what the Lord did is he goes, all right, you didn't get it at AT&T. Here's the oil field. Now, I'm going to give you another shot at this. That's basically what happened. So up at Nordstrom, and I'm talking with, um, I'm talking with a guy at Nordstrom, and he goes, uh, and I, I had prophesied over just one or two people, but it became more like something happened to me. There was a boldness just to talk about Jesus in normal, everyday conversation to make it normal. And, and I walked up, and these guys are talking about like dinosaurs and aliens, and, or no, they're talking about aliens or something. And I walk up, and so they want to know my perspective on it. And, and, and then they – and the, the way the conversation went is the guy goes, surely you don't take the Bible literally. And I went, how else would I take it? And he goes, seriously, Michael, like you don't believe that men were on this, the earth at the same time as dinosaurs. And I was like, well, what kind of conversation do you want to have? I mean if, if you want to go there, let's go there. And then the guy says um, – the guy goes, seriously – so we, we talk, a customer walks up, everything gets interrupted. Well, one of the guys listening to this whole dialogue, which I'm just giving you goofy cliff notes of, he walks over and he goes, hey, seriously, I've, I've never met anyone who takes the Bible literally. Mm. Like, what, what makes you say that it's literal? And I just looked at him and I said, Stephen, have you never asked the question who Jesus is? And he looked at me and I said, have you ever asked the question who this man is that claimed to own all the angels and no one argued him? Have you ever claimed, have you ever asked the question, who is this man that we divide the timeline of history by his birth and most people divide the ages by his second coming? I said, have you never asked, this is a real conversation. I said, have you never asked the question, period, why guys like uh, Caesar, or excuse me, guys like um, Napoleon would say Jesus I know, I know men, and Jesus Christ is no mere man. Charlemagne, Alexander, Caesar, myself, all founded empires, but upon what genius do we base our creation but upon force? Yet this man has founded his empire upon love, and at this moment millions would die for him. I looked at him and said, 
Larry King said, if I could interview anyone in history and ask them one question, I would interview Jesus of Nazareth, and I would ask him, are you indeed virgin-born? This explains history to me. And he looks at me and he goes, who are you? <laughs> and and it, it opened up this dialogue to where um, a couple weeks later, I'm, I'm, I don't remember the exact time frame, two weeks later, five, six weeks later, something happened in his life where he had to make a major transition. And I got the chance at 930 at night to stand in the parking lot and pray for this guy and give him the testimony of Jesus, which is, according to Revelation 19, which is the spirit of prophecy. I got to pray for him. And you know we stay in touch once in a while, but it was at that moment that I realized – and it, here's the deal. The, the words that I spoke to him meant nothing mm. if the excellence that I worked with did not back it up, period. And that's the thing is that what gave me the ability to speak into someone's life at work like that was that the excellence in my life provided let's, the context and respect. the foundation for let's me to speak respect. in. I mean yes, he had – he respected you greatly because of the way you carried yourself at work. And, yep. and you were making good sales too. <laughs> yeah, like, I was. As a sales yep, guy, you got to be, yep. you know, making the sales. Michael, I yep. love this part. Your story in general is just Ephesians 5 where Paul says, May I boldly walk through the doors that God opens up for me. And I feel mm. we go throughout our day in the workplace. I mean, doors are open all around us. And your, your life exhibits that truth that you're just boldly walking through that door to give a response for the hope that you have. And so just even hearing a few of these stories, I love that spirit of boldness that you're carrying. And... Can you elaborate, like, how can people walk in that boldness when doors are open to them? How, what's, what's kind of the best way to respond? And I don't know, any, any tips on that? Well, the, the, the key thing here, though, is, is boldness, or as some people will call it steps of faith. Mm. They are in accordance to one's faith, and here's what I mean. What that phrase actually means is it doesn't mean that it's in accordance to, like, some capacity God has given somebody. The capacity that you have to be bold or to be courageous or to, to have faith is based upon your history in God. So let me give you an example. There's actually – like people talk about leaps of faith. Oh, man, what a leap of faith to go prophesy over somebody in Starbucks. It wasn't a leap of faith. According to my history in God, it was the next logical step in my faith walk with the Lord. For instance, mm -hmm. give you an example from the Bible. If the Lord would have told Moses – uh, before he left and spent 40 years in the wilderness, hey, here's what I'd like you to do. Go take that stick over there, go stick it in the Red Sea and watch it turn into blood, or go stick it in the Nile and watch it turn into blood. Then I want you to go on a walk and go to the Red Sea, and I want you to stick it in that ocean, and I want you to watch it part. Moses would have been like, you're crazy. So what the Lord does is he takes him in the wilderness for 40 years, brings him back, starts to bring a dynasty to its knees by incremental crescendoing acts of faith, so that by the time Moses got to the Red Sea, then it wasn't a leap of faith for him. It was the next logical step of faith in his walk with the Lord. So for me, there was no parting of the Red Sea. But for me to be able to speak to someone like that in Nordstrom, it was because I had taken steps of faith for the previous five years in the marketplace that led me to a position to feel comfortable out of the overflow of my heart to speak that. So here's, here's my encouragement to make that practical. Mm. So people on a day-in-day-out basis, 
you look and you go, man, I could never say something to somebody like that at work. No, you currently who you are at, you know, whatever time it is where you live on April 5th in 2018, you can't, but you in April 5th in 2020 probably can. And it's according to your willingness to continue to follow Jesus and take incremental steps of faith that allow you for your next logical step of faith to be something dramatic. But here's the deal. In two years, it won't be a dramatic step of faith to you. It'll be the next logical step of faith in your progression. So here's the thing. Scripture says when they rebuilt the temple, it says do not despise the day of small beginnings. Mm. So my word of encouragement to people out there, I don't care if you got saved yesterday or if you're getting saved after this is over, <laughs> do not despise the day of small beginnings. It's, it's be really thankful for easier them. Easier than people Good. think, Michael. I mean, it is. You know, you know, I think you just have to have an eye on the people, mm. right? Eye on your colleagues, eye on your people you're working with and be 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 connected in a friendship with them, right? First, and I think I think and I think most Christians do that, mm. but I think the second step is having your eye on Jesus, and and to simply uh, be talking to him, having a a conversation and being full of God. I think that's really the main thing, and then you can actually speak to them, and you're speaking God's heart. You may you may say God's thus saith the Lord, you know, or you may say, you know, um, I think Jesus is telling me this, or you may may say, you know what, here's here's what I think. And after you do that 10 times, they go, what the heck? How are you nailing this? It's habit, but it's being connected to Jesus. It's really all it takes mm. is to be connected to Jesus on a daily basis. No, it, no it, it really is. It's much easier than much easier than people think. But everything hard, everything easy is difficult at first, period. Mm. And that, that's something people forget. There's a great book. I recommend this called The Slight Edge. If you, if you haven't read it, it's a book everyone should read annually next to the Bible. Mm. But he talks about that, that everything difficult or everything easy is difficult at first. And so for a lot of people, the idea that doing something like this is difficult, it, it's, it, it may be at first. But here's the reality. Everyone functions differently. Like if you go into the Old Testament and you look at the, the different – people that went into just say building the temple one of the the number one people that is uh, mentioned in there are women that weave but these women they're skillful in their work but the first day they picked it up they probably had no idea what they were doing and i think that's what most people are like when they, they're trying to implement christianity into their workplace they feel like it's insignificant they feel like it doesn't matter it's 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 messy it's it's hard to handle they don't really know what to do with it and they're like is this ever going to matter yet we look back six thousand years ago and guess who's mentioned as having a wise heart being a skillful worker some woman who learned how to weave because she was excellent in her craft yeah. so when we when we gain when we gain a long-term perspective on this it, it it takes time it takes repetition it takes continual faithfulness when it talks about abraham being right. it, it was credited to him as righteousness. But even that back, backing up from there a little bit, Michael, I, I think because I know you and I know you are a presence guy. You, you, you're, you're a guy who is seeking the Lord. You're a guy who wakes up in the morning, reads the Bible, prays, connects, adores the Lord at the deepest level. So then you go to work and you're, you're right there. It's just, you just, you know, 
people are telling you their, their woes or their issues. You're thinking about the verse you just read and you, you just speak from your heart. It's really natural. It's an outflow of the presence that, that you bring and the, the, the way we've prepared our hearts. And this is what I mean by being connected, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, so if you're walking with a coffee cup, you know, it's not Starbucks or some coffee shop and it's open and somebody bumps into you, right? It spills the coffee, right? But here's the thing. Whatever comes out of that cup is what was in it to begin with. Right. So that's presence. So the presence is what you put in the cup. It's what you put inside of you. And when you bump into somebody, whatever comes out of you is the overflow of what's inside of you. Yeah. So if somebody bumps into you and you get angry, it's not what did that person do to make you angry. It's what do you have inside of you that anger was the first thing that came yeah. out of you. Love, so the, the, joy. The, exactly. Right? You know, in so peace, if you want endurance, love, kindness, peace, goodness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the humility. You know, yep. and so those things are in us, which they are, they are in us, right? They are, because it's, it's the fruit of him, and he's in us. And he, he, but here's, he, the, here's the thing about that fruit, though. Where is fruit? Where is fruit? Fruit is always on the branch. So the reason a lot of people don't see fruit in the marketplace is because they're not willing to go out on a limb to get it. Ooh. Are you with me? <laughs> Very so, good. Yeah, you know, so that's so, where the fruit is. I, I, I think about this verse. One of my favorite verses that I just can't stop thinking about is 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us mm. the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. It's every place we go all day long, every day, and it's manifesting the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. It's that I know him. It's personal, it's connected. I mean, this is so real to be filled with him. You know, most most days I feel like I'm gonna explode with the joy of the Lord. You know, I mean, I have bad days too, but you know, and, and to just, you carry that out in the marketplace and people go something, either he's borderline insane or he has something that I don't have, yeah. you know, and mm. and so it's being full of him is really the is really the first thing. It's less about technique, and more about being filled. Yeah, and even even the word knowledge there in First Corinthians two fourteen, uh, it it actually means the experience of like right. it can mean it, it can be intimate. Adam knew it can Eve be and friendship. she conceived. <laughs> no, exactly. No, it's, it's, the same it's all word, through. Actually. Yeah, no, it is. It's all throughout the Old Testament and, and New Testament. But here's the thing. In the context of 1 Corinthians 2.14, it's not just the experience of the individual and the Lord. It's also the experience of the individual to another individual, which mm. is all comes back, all comes back. Bob, you've heard me say this a thousand times since we've been friends. It all comes back to the first and second commandment, always, mm. that our experience with God that causes us to love him with everything that we have overflows into producing that same love in other people in a way that produces worship. Mm -hmm. And that's really what that is. When people experience through you what you have experienced from God, they will ultimately come back around to seeking that same experience from the source, which is the Lord. Exactly. The first I, think, and I, I think the mistake we've made is trying to make a gospel presentation, right? Yes. Rather than yeah. just sales being, pitch. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than no we are that. the epistles. Yes. 
of Christ, right? It's his, his, he's written on our hearts. Mm. And, and, and I just think it's not about a better technique. It's about being full. It's about being full. Yeah, no, and, and that's right. Mm -hmm. No, life giving, full, people experiencing it. I mean, um, even so, I read a story of an intern, and, and I'll, I'll have to find it for you, Bob. You'd love it. Um, but she was a very, sk very skilled, uh, what do you call them? Uh, they, they do clay potter. She's pottery. I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. Somebody watches this, and they, that's what they do. I just forgive me. Please don't crucify me for this. But she did pottery, and she got. The ability she she won the opportunity to go apprentice be, be an apprentice to basically the number one guy in the world but he was in the eastern world so part of the apprenticeship was she had to move in with him and she moves in with his family and she was there for six months and never got the chance to actually sculpt anything she folded their laundry she did their dishes she went to dinner with them she did everything with the family right Never once did he actually teach her anything. She got frustrated and she left. She finally sat down to start sculpting after she got home. And when she started sculpting, she realized she made the biggest mistake of her life by leaving because what happened? As she started sculpting, she realized that she was sculpting at a level and a technique <laughs> she had never done before. And it wasn't because he taught her anything. It was because she did life with him. Yeah. And to me, the most effective form of evangelism, the most effective form of bringing Christ to the marketplace, of seeing the kingdom of God manifest in other people, is simply by doing life with them. Mm. And to me, that was the big transition. It was learning not just to do life with other Christians, but learning to do life and bring the aroma of Christ to other people who have never experienced him. And as they breathe that in, watching it manifest in their own life it's, in a different way. It's about. It's really about knowing him. You know, Michael, we're we're out of time, but tell us a couple stories, or tell us a story about your 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 job now, and and you know how you're how you're just being a man of the presence, and you know yeah. manifesting the Lord. Yeah. So um, I'll give and you about one your example. Sales. Tell us about your sales. <laughs> so yeah. So. Um, Currently, I'm at 44% of my annual goal. It's April 5th. Um, I'll just say that it's way past where everybody else is at. And I had a guy come visit. I, I live in the Nashville area. I'm the only. Well, just to give you an example of favor, um, you know, a man's gift makes room for him. I, I'm the only remote salesperson the whole company has. Period. Um, everybody else is required to be in Kansas City, but my the Lord's blessing on my work and, and my spirit of excellence has made room for me that they trust me to work remote. I'm actually more productive working remote. But I had a guy that was in Nashville. He was visiting. We had a trade show here, and we went and played golf. And he goes, man, he goes, I've listened to your calls. He goes, and don't get me wrong, you're really good at what you do. And he's like, I appreciate all that you do. He goes, but you're selling the same stuff we are. You go to the same sales training we do. Is what's your secret? How are you doing it? <laughs> and so we, we talked for a few minutes, and, and, and I was real transparent with him. And it, what was amazing was because he, because he asked the question, he was willing to receive what I had to say mm. versus me saying something and being like, hold on, dude. Like you're telling me that's how you get sales? Mm. No, he asked the question, which 
when someone asks you a question, they most they of the time, yeah. yeah, you have some knuckleheads out there who ask because they want to be validated, but he actually wanted to know. And we talked, and, I, and it, it opened up a whole area of his life. I didn't know that his father died. I had no idea. He began to share with me about how his father died and how that made him basically bitter towards the Lord. And so I got a chance with him. I said, hey, listen, so I lost a huge contract this year, and it, and that, it was Q3. I lost a huge contract, huge would have made my whole quarter. And I said, here's the deal. I don't know if I'm going to make Q3, but one of two things is going to happen. Either the Lord's going to bring something in out of nowhere, and I'm going to hit Q3, or the Lord will make it up to me in Q4, and I'll exceed my annual goal, which is a big deal because at the time, I only had in about 7% of my whole quarter. <laughs> and I didn't make quarter, but I exceeded my annual goal by 30%. And the next, I had a record-breaking Q4, and we never talked about it afterwards. I didn't go rub his nose in it, but I know based on the the intensity of that conversation, he had he had to have looked at the numbers and been like, "Man, no he way. told me that he told me this would happen." <laughs> and let me let me let me be transparent. It's hard to explain the it, it's hard to explain what happened, but it would be like getting up. In Q4, it would be like a baseball player getting up and hitting back-to-back grand slams in the same game. <laughs> That's what happened in it's Q4. It's a sign and a wonder. Uh, it was. It, it really was. And so, so, but now, here's the thing, though. Our level of conversation was always surface level. Mm. Now, it's here. Mm. And here's what I've learned, and I'll just share this last thing. This is probably one of the biggest things the Lord has impacted me in the last couple of years in the marketplace. When I was younger, I wanted to get up in front of people. I wanted to preach in front of the masses. I wanted to preach in front of thousands. And I thought that meant impact. Mm. Here's what I've learned in the last few years and has become deeply ingrained in me. The impact now, the level of my impact is not dictated by how many people I speak to, but by the level of change in one individual. And that's what I learned is Jesus spoke to thousands, but he was deeply invested in 12 men, even one that he knew would fail him, he poured everything he had into him and was still willing to see him succeed, mm-hmm. even if it meant total failure. And that's been the thing for me is like people in the marketplace, they, 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 if, if we can get our minds around that our level of impact in eternity may be dependent upon the one person that we steward, yeah, it, it it changes everything. You you, you got to be sensitive to the seasons. It might it might be. I mean, when you're a roughneck in the oil field, your job you were just to go vertical. There was really no exactly. horizontal responsibility. Hundred yep, percent. It. It, it may be you're taking care of your elderly mother, you know, bedridden, and your job is just to mm. care for one. That's really okay. Mm. But everything we said applies. That's right. You know, carry His presence in communicate with the Lord, be connected at the deepest level, right? Yeah, it's the stewardship. It's the parable of the minus. One, five, and ten. He, the owner would have been equally as proud of the one guy who produced two as, as he was of the five guy who produced ten. It's, it's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have that moves the Lord's heart. And so if the Lord has you going vertical, go vertical. If the Lord has one person in your life at work, do life with that one person. And give them the aroma, the First Corinthians two fourteen. Give them the aroma of Christ. Mm-hmm. If the Lord has you as a CEO, you've got some thinking to do. <laughs> so anyway, I know we're out of time. That's so good. so 
Kelly, I, I know this I, is your heart too. God. So, <laughs> how do you how do you carry the presents? Well, I really wanted to say, bouncing off of both of you, is that this is a worthy. Uh, assignment you know there's so many things pulling for our attention and what muscle am I going to work today but really working that muscle of stepping out for God and 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 learning to hear his voice and just sharing whatever listening to that still small voice mm -hmm. and sharing is is a worthy message that that can deliver someone's soul from spiritual suicide and that it's it's Michael you're full of these stories and we've barely scratched the surface but um, I just wanted to like honor what a what a worthy reality this is to be developed in our own lives, and so personally, um, cultivating the presence is just constantly talking to God, just in my heart, and you know throughout the day, just engaging the Holy Spirit and. Jeremiah 33.3, call to God and he'll answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you know not of. He really does respond if we call to him. Amen. So simple childlike faith um, that really opens the door for Well, Kelly, why don't you pray, pray for us and okay. pray for our listeners and we'll be done. All right. God, we thank you for Michael Stevens and just a true messenger of your heart in this hour of history, God, into the world of business and Starbucks. God, we thank you for just a rich life that is full of you and um, Lord, how he has worked, he's labored in just loving you and knowing you and um, hearing your voice that can deliver a word um, and deliver a soul from the realities that entangle people and so we pray god that you would activate our friends all across um online and uh, across the airwaves today god that they would see the beauty of the power of reaching out to the one in front of them god and the power of the holy spirit on the inside of them um, by their weak glance of faith their weak action god releases power um to impact people more than we realize so god we thank you for our brother we bless him and uh, we thank you for all our friends today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless. We'll see you next time for another great show.